Did you take my shirt? No. Okay. Hi. Your earrings are beautiful. You're beautiful. Thank you. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Hey, uh, this is Did You Take My Shirt? And I'm your host, Amy. I am your host with the most, Katie. Hostess with the mostest. <laughs> I got egg earrings on. Those are so cute. <laughs> Did you make them? No, I got them from some website for like $2. They're so cute. You should make breakfast wearing those. Yeah. <laughs> They're fun. I haven't yeah. worn them yet, but I was like, I got a bunch of funny earrings that I felt like would be fun to wear doing the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> That's cute. I love it. Thanks. Oh my goodness. How was your week? Um, My week was good. I... It was a very slow week, so nothing really exciting to report on. I am finishing moving this weekend, and that's about all that I have going for me. I'm excited that you're finally like finalizing that. Yeah, it should it'll be good. I'm glad. To, I'm happy. I'm excited to get everything like organized and all that jazz. How was your week? And all that jazz. I had new kids start this week, so it was all right. That's good for your daycare. Yeah, yeah, for the daycare. Um, it was a really slow week for me, also though. So yeah, yep. And then ew, this morning I woke up and there was snow outside. Oh bummer! It was so gross. And Alice like walked over to because she's like, "What is wrong?" Because like I'm like. Ew. And I, <laughs> Alice walked over and opened, I was like, look outside. And she looked outside and just like put her head on the window and she's like, no, <laughs> summer is over. Oh, bummer. That sucks. <laughs> I know. I am not here Aww. for it at all. So you guys, you guys have an early uh, winter. Dude, I know. Normally, it's the last week of September that it snows, if it snows in September. Mm-hmm. And last year, it didn't snow until, I thought it snowed in September, but my friend said that it actually didn't snow until middle of October. Yeah. And I was like, gosh, dang it. I think mm-hmm. it might melt, though, because, like, it's still coming down, but the road, like, with people driving on it and stuff, it's like slowly melting. Yeah, it it, it won't stick. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah. Um, me, the meteorologist, the meteorologist that I am, it's not gonna stick. <laughs> the me, t- me, I, me, the meteorologist, <laughs> professional, the professional over here. I have no idea. <laughs> so yeah so that's that's fun stuff that's going on here luckily last last week i got the yard mostly ready for winter yeah but i'm still gonna have to do stuff which is just that's okay yeah Yeah. i'll get over it i don't have much of a choice unfortunately i mean yeah you kind of have to get over it so yeah pretty much Mm. Sorry about that. It's okay. <laughs> I'm 
I'm I'm not here for it. So I'm here for you. So if you need support, just let me know. Thank you. Um, I will be the one. You will be the one. I should say you will be the one that I call at seven o'clock in the morning when I have to shovel the snow. No. <laughs> well, you said that you're here for me, so. I don't, it's seven in the morning. I don't want to shovel your snow. Well, you'll just have to listen to me complain, to be honest. Yeah. So. That's seven fine. O'clock. If you send me a bunch of Snapchats of it, I'll just like go through them really fast and won't even watch them. Do you do that? Sometimes. That is so rude. <laughs> I never do that. It's like a talking one, and then like the Snapchats are all like rearranged. Uh, oh, like, that's jumbled. Order. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I, I'm already lost. Okay, well, that's about, so. What so. you're saying is, if I confess to a murder, do it on that, so I can rid my sins, and you won't watch it. No, I don't do that because Snapchat keeps all your Snapchats. There's, um, there was uh, two girls that I like recently who, um, murdered someone. Oh no, they didn't murder someone. They found, they stole jewelry off of like a dead body that they found. (gasps) Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. They posted it on Snapchat and Snapchat was like, uh, (laughs) that's, that's not cool. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. That's big friend. Yeah. Your hair is so stinking cute today. So I just, I have a bunch of pins in the back because my hair is too short to put it up, so. Is it hot there? Uh, no. Was that your it's stomach? No, that's Jake snoring. <laughs> <laughs> he has to be in the, he has to be in the room with me. Yeah, he's, he sounds like he's. That's how Leon is. He was scratching at the door, but I refused to let him in. He got over it. Yeah. Um. Do you want to hear a Disney story? Yes. Yes. <laughs> what? <laughs> it sounds like someone. <laughs> you know what it sounds like? No, you know what it sounds like uh, when babies are sitting in the bathtub and they fart. <laughs> <laughs> along the Do you That's- want me to get him out of the room? It doesn't bother me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's funny. So um, this happened in Disneyland at the attraction of Rivers of America. So, um, you know, that little river that goes along or kind of like goes in a bagel circle and like yeah. the ferry boat is on it and there's goes to Tom Sawyer Island. Yeah. And you can cross it and go to Tom Sawyer Island. So, um, it was the night, you know, the night that they do the 24 hours grad night. Yes. Okay. So, uh, this young boy, he was 18 years old, had just graduated from school, high school. Um, Bogut, Bogdan, um, I can't even pronounce his last name. Um, he's from Brooklyn. He was from Brooklyn, New York. Mm -hmm. He brought his 10 year old brother with him. Um, and they, uh, stayed on Tom Sawyer Island past the time that like, like at nighttime, they close it down because it's dark and it's like an island. Um, so they stayed, they hid behind, um, 
and um, it was off. It was at nighttime, so it was off limits to the guests. But they wanted to leave, and there was no rafts or anything like that because it was on the other side of the river. Mm-hmm. They tried to swim across. His brother was started to drown, so he tried to carry him because he, his brother didn't know how to swim. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, like he put him on his back, and he ended up drowning halfway through. Uh, the, oh my god! The eighteen-year-old, yeah, um, mm-hmm. his. His younger brother, the 10 year old, um, he was able to stay afloat by doggy paddling. And then a ride operator saw him and was able to rescue him. So, oh, that's so sad. So, his older brother, the 18 year old, died from trying to save his younger brother. Oh, yeah. But I mean, it, it's a really tragic, tragic accident. But mm-hmm. they have these rules for a reason, you know, and yeah. it sucks that, you know, they thought that it was a good idea to stay behind on the island yeah, but after it, they closed it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. Mm-mm. No. So that it was mm-hmm. a very short story. But Bummer. <laughs> Me? Bummer. <laughs> um, I've, heard that, I've heard that story before. Yeah, uh, that was another one that our brother actually told us while we were, I don't know if you remember him doing any of that. One time we Mm. went to Disneyland and he was just like spouting off all these like awful incidents. Like as we were like going on the rides, he would tell us like, oh, someone died on this ride before. He would. He was just like telling us all these stories and I couldn't get enough of them. I'm like, what happened next? What happened next? (laughs) Oh, did you did you get the snap that our parents were listening to the our last episode? Yeah, number so one fans. They're so cute. They're so cute. They had such a good time in uh, Yellowstone. Yeah, it looks like they're having fun. Yeah, I like yeah. them. I like them. They're all right. They're all right. We should keep them. You know what? We should adopt them as parents. Yeah, yeah. I might adopt them. Maybe, maybe, maybe won't send them to the, to the pound yet. No, 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 no. Let's foster them for a little bit longer and see how things go. Yeah, I guess. I mean, they better behave, so. Yeah, pretty much. Send us, <laughs> send us money. We won't send you. Send us okay. money. <laughs> <laughs> As we laugh in bed. <laughs> um so i can go first or unless you wanted to go first uh Hello. my story you can go first okay so that's that's cool with me okay okay so today i will be talking about mr gerard Schaefer. Oh, and we're in, why did I start a copy in your accent? We are in Florida. 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 Schaefer was born on March 25th, 1946. No. In Wisconsin. No. You can go ahead. Go ahead. You can do it. You, but if you're going to do it, you have to do the whole time. Okay. Well, you can't interrupt me then. Okay. Okay. He was the eldest of three children. Just kidding. I'm not going to do it the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Gerard did not get along with his father. So he was the eldest. He was of three children. 
Um, he did not get along with his father, and his father was a heavy drinker and a womanizer. Gerard believed that both his parents, Gerard Sr. and Doris Schaefer, favored his sister over him. He later described himself as the illegitimate product of forced marriage. What a weird, yeah, what a weird (laughs) description to like give yourself. Yeah, he basically was like, my childhood sucked. My parents were forced to be, I was the, I was a product of forced marriage. Like, okay, but like. You're welcome for being alive. (laughs) Uh, so the Schaefers would eventually move to Fort Lauderdale Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And they joined all the fancy clubs like the yachting club and country clubs. Oh. Um, they were just living up the Florida life, um, but they ended up divorcing. Womp womp. Womp womp. Gerard was said to be very disturbed when he was young. He would mm-hmm. steal women's underwear, <laughs> fantasize about dying, and even tie himself to trees because it aroused him. He fantasized yeah. about dying? Yeah. Gerald, Geraldo? Gerald, 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 he would later admit in life that he also killed animals um he would go hunting in the everglades and shooting it he would shoot animals that couldn't be consumed and he also cross-dressed so he's a very wild child yeah but what animals can't be consumed um i don't know i would guess like i don't know like rat you can eat rat i know but you don't want to you don't want to eat a rat that's true i don't know know. it it didn't specify i just what animals can't be consumed i'm just so intrigued (laughs) yeah i don't i don't know Uh, i'm trying to think of it now um cats like you don't eat cats i typed in can't be consumed and it gave me a list of what things you can and eight and i'm like no um are you still looking it up uh no you can keep going it's i don't know you can keep going it's not listening to me schaefer eventually met a girl had a got a girlfriend her name was cindy when he was 14 and the two were in a relationship for three years um in spite of their unorthodox sex life Oh. Gerard would make her take part in role play fantasies where he would um, role play um, sexually assaulting her, Ugh. quote unquote. Yeah. <laughs> in 1963, she broke up with him. Um, good for her for getting yeah. out of that. Wow, she- that's a big deal at that at that time too. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what it said was like, you know, they worked together for so long despite their unorthodox yeah. relationship. Good for her. Yeah. So Schaefer would later brag in writing that he started killing in 1965, just two years after him and Cindy broke up at the age of 19, though uh, he ended up denying it publicly. So he would write about it, uh, admitting to it, but he would deny it publicly um 
Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> and in 1967, Gerard earned an associate degree in business administration. And on January 1968, enrolled in the Florida Atlantic University to, te- get, to get a teacher's license. So he was doing good things. He shouldn't be a teacher, though. I'm just no. putting that out there. <laughs> no, <laughs> definitely <laughs> not. A lot of people shouldn't be teachers, unfortunately. This is a fact. <laughs> yeah. Fact, period. (laughs) After doing this, he briefly held down a teaching job at Plantation High School, but was fired after only a few weeks because of, in the principal's word, no, in the principal's words, totally inappropriate behavior. Um, Wow. That doesn't surprise me, though. Doesn't surprise me. It didn't say the reason why, but the principal was just like totally inappropriate behavior. He was bad, bad, bad. He also tried to become a Catholic priest, but was rejected. I wonder why. Yeah, maybe because he got fired as a teacher. Probably. He's like, yeah, I I didn't make it out as as a teacher. So let me do the next best thing. As a priest. Yeah, what? (laughs) So... He married in 1968, but but divorced after two years. His wife's uh, stating cruelty. Cruel, blech, I cannot say that word. Which are hard, man. She stated cruelty as a reason for divorce. So that she was just a cruel, cruel, cruel person. Sounds like it. Yeah. In 1971, he got married again. This time to Teresa Dean, a secretary, a secretary, a secretary, a secretary. <laughs> secretary he met while working as a security guard oh okay yeah so shaver eventually set his mind on becoming a police officer and got the job not soon after uh soon after he's the last person that should be a police officer i feel like a lot of people who are the last people who should be a police officer are police officers (laughs) i mean period but (laughs) true in spite (laughs) in spite of the fact that he failed his psychological tests when he applied so he got everything else right besides the psychological test which they're like nah it's fine yeah he's fine so he was soon fired for from that job for using personal information about female traffic offenders to ask them out for dates (gasps) Ew, that's really icky. <laughs> yeah, major creepo move. He then moved to Martin County and got another law enforcement job where he eventually became a deputy sheriff. Oh, yeah. They're like, mm, we don't check the records. I'm sure it's fine. They were desperate. Yeah, they were desperate. <laughs> I hate that so much. Yeah, like, what the hell? On July 21st, 1972, Schaefer pulled off his first known murder attempt. He was, he, with using his authority as a police officer, he was in his police vehicle and convinced hitchhikers Pamela Wills and Nancy Trotter that hitchhiking was illegal in the county, which it isn't. He... Yeah, he drove them to a halfway house at which they lived and promised to drive them to the beach the next day. When they were in his car, he drove them into the swamp. Uh, Into the swamp? (laughs) 
he drove them into a swamp. I'm reading it. I'm like, did I get that right? Yeah, I got it right. And tied them to a tree at gunpoint. So I'm guessing that was on the way to the halfway house. I didn't state that. So I'm guessing it was on the way to the halfway house. Drove them to a swamp and tied them to a tree at gunpoint. Just afterwards, he got a call on his police radio and had to leave them and uh, tied up to the tree. He left them Oh, yeah. He was like, hold on. Work is calling. (laughs) Oh, shoot. Like when you're like doing something off, that's supposed to be off the clock. (laughs) (laughs) While he was gone, the girls managed to break free and run to the nearest police station, which. Oh, no. 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 I ironically turned out to be the station that Schaefer worked at. Oh, no. Womp, womp, womp. When Schaefer returned to the tree and found them gone, he called his boss, Sheriff Crowder, and said, Crowder, I have done something foolish. You're going to be mad at me. Yeah, probably will be more than mad at you. Probably. When Crowder found out about what Schaefer had done... He fired Schaefer and arrested him for unlawful imprisonment and aggravated assault. But I mean, I'm glad glad that he turned himself in, which is normally not the behavior of someone like him. Yeah, well, he knew he was going to get caught. Like, they went to the the police station. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he had made a plea bargain and was sentenced to a year in prison with the possibility of being released after six months. Two months after posting Bell, he abducted two more female hitchhikers, Susan Place and Georgia Jessup. Uh, And he killed them the same way he had intended to kill Wells and Trotter and buried their bodies. Oh. Yeah. When the remains were found, Schaefer was in prison. So he was in prison? Yeah. Oh. So. He had he had gone back to prison after posting bill. Um, gotcha. So the similarities between their murder and Schaefer's attempted murder were enough to secure a warrant for his mother's house, where he a warrant for his mother's house where he and his wife lived. Inside, they found as well as a number of graphic, disturbing short stories about murder written by Schaefer. Oh. Um, yeah, and a total of 11 guns, 13 knives, a mountain of evidence implicating Schaefer in the disappearance of over 30 women in the area over the years, such as jewelry, clothing, diaries, driver's license, a passport, and some teeth. Ew, teeth? Yeah, so he have evidence uh, pointing towards over 30, 30 uh, missing women. Oh, my God. So, yeah. He had half-baked explanations for all of it, such as having found the items, uh, being given them as gifts, or having them bought them some some uh, elsewhere. So he's like, I got them somewhere else, you know, that I didn't, you know, someone else gave them to me. Uh, so someone like, gave oh. me these teeth as a yeah. Person. I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna say. So they were like, so Schaefer, um, who gave you the sh- who gave you the teeth as a present? <laughs> Well, funny story. I've always wanted teeth. <laughs> he he did claim that the teeth had been placed by an ex-roommate who, according to oh, Schaefer, confessed to the murder. Um, the roommate in question was interviewed by police and cleared as a suspect. <laughs> the roommate's like, what? 
no <laughs> worst ex-roommate ever he convicted me of murder or <laughs> <laughs> he was a roommate from hell <laughs> in spite of the massive amount of ed- evidence against Schaefer, he was only tried for the murders of place and Jessup, of, unfortunately. Because he was sentenced to life in prison for the crime, no other charges were pursued since it was enough to keep him away from the public. Right. Which is, seems like such like an easy route for them to it take. Is. They were like, yeah, it's unfortunate. Those other people didn't get their justice. No. His... Wife only visited him once, and now it's a served divorce papers. <laughs> <laughs> Sucka. Uh, so he was under close watch in prison. Uh, Schaefer still managed to run a mail fraud scheme from his cell, having associates post ads in sex mis- magazines and sending letters to people who replied, always using a female pseudonym. In some in some letters, he pretended to be a 14-year-old girl who Ooh. offered to send paying customers uh, naked photos of himself, herself. So he pretended to be a female. Where did he get the photos, though? Uh, he would take their money and then not send them anything. Oh, mail fraud. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, I hate that. <laughs> yeah. He also enjoyed sending convicts and other prisons letters pretending to be a woman pursuing a romantic relationship with them. <laughs> <laughs> He's like writing his cellmate and his cellmate's like, man, I really got this. I, I heart you, Jeffrey. Jeffrey. <laughs> his roommate's like, oh, right. XO, 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 little hug, big hug, small <laughs> hug, little big kiss. <laughs> Um, he also would act as a jail jailhouse lawyer using the information he gained from convicts to sell them <laughs> out to inter- authorities. So he wasn't getting he wasn't he wasn't gaining any relationships in there. No, he, he wasn't. He even got a murderer sent to death row by doing that. Oh, shoot. <laughs> He's not getting a good rep in jail. So, no. understandably, he was not well-liked uh, man in prison. Uh, Very well um, not liked. Uh, but he did befriend, um, drumroll, serial killers Ted Bundy and Otis Tooley. <laughs> well, I wonder why. They were besties. <laughs> they were besties. And uh, they would discuss counter-forensic techniques with, with each other. So they I would exchange that. Yeah, they would exchange the, the details that they knew. But I, I know uh, Ted Bundy and o- Otis Tooley were like uh, right next to each other or yeah. like across from each other or something. Um, I almost did my story on Otis Tooley. Um, but um yeah they were all buddies um <laughs> he kept an eye to have to the murders that he was convicted of one of his explanations for his conviction was that he had been framed by local drug lords for killing two nar- narcotic informants and file he had filed a total of 19 appeals um and they were all turned down though he privately bragged about killing a lot of women in jail, he pursued countless frivolous lawsuits against people who had publicly called him a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> Such as many true crime authors. He also sued FBI veteran Robert Ressler for writing about his case and discussing it in, in lectures. He even sued a writer for describing, describing him as overweight. <laughs> this guy just cannot stop. He's like, you're sued, you're sued. How is he getting how is he getting the money to sue all these people? You're all getting sued. 
<laughs> he sued everyone. He called him a serial killer. So they're like, oh, don't call Schaefer a serial killer. One of his biggest hobbies um, in jail was writing Macabre stories. I th- hope I said that right. Um, there are stories in which death are, is the main subject of the story. Um, so some of uh, the stories that he would write would, were subject of being real accounts of murders he committed, and others were um, very grisly fantasies that he dreamed of. And one story simply t- titled, um, and excuse my language um, for my mother listening, the title was whores um he recounts hanging a prostitute and having uh uh intercourse with her corpse um and another title spring break spring breakers he recounts (laughs) he recounts fatally stabbing and disemboweling a co-ed during intercourse Uh... (laughs) sorry just doesn't get better (laughs) that's right it gets worse Uh, a series of stories. Um, a series of stories was about a rogue cop who moonlights as a serial killer, uh, targeting prostitutes. Basically, um, aka his um, self-written documentary. Or I was just going to say that <laughs> his biography. His biography. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Schaefer was approached by a Sandra London, um, and if you don't know Sandra London, she is a true crime author. She was his girlfriend in high school, and she um, would later become a true crime author. Um, if you look her up, very, I do not like her because um, you'll you'll find a way. So in 1989, she got his stories published under the title uh, Killer Fiction. Uh, it failed commercially, but maintained a cult following. Uh, maintains a cult following to this day. So her and Schaefer were briefly engaged in 1991, but she broke it off, leaving him for a drumroll serial killer Danny no. Rowling, aka the Gainesville R- R- Ripper. No. Yeah. This is why I looked her up and I was like, I've never heard of a song. Sandra London. I'm like, why the heck is she just dating all the creepy serial killers? Because a long uh, time a, ago, everyone canceled her. That was like a that is like another level of like creepy. Like you're just as bad as them if you don't even care. That's cringy. Um, yeah. On December 3rd, 1995, Schaefer was found dead in a cell. He was stabbed 42 times and his throat was slashed. The uh, perpetrator was a Vincent R- Rivera, a fellow inmate who was serving time for a double murder. Can I ask, can I Sandra, ask why? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm about to tell you. I mean, I'm, I'm at, can I guess? Oh, yes. Because he found out that he was actually, the Jared was the one that was sending him the love letters. <laughs> he was like, I was in love with Mary. I was in love with her. You were Mary all along. I was catfished. The original <laughs> catfish. catfish. The original catfishing is uh, G- Gerard Schaefer. <laughs> so, unfortunately, no. Uh, Sandra, London, Lon- Sandra London later said Rivera killed him in an argument about a cup of coffee. Um, 
it was suggested that it was because Schaefer owed some inmates money or because he would uh, he would inform on them. Um, but that's I guess that's what Laundra, Sandra London said that was over a cup of coffee, which seems like, I don't know, maybe I'm like, I could have just lost it over a cup of coffee. I mean, I mean yeah, that caffeine, man, you got to get it. Yeah, he's like, I haven't had my cup of coffee coffee yet. And Schaefer probably says something rude, like, so how's Mary doing? And he's like, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> stab, stab. Don't ask me, Mary, until after my coffee. <laughs> In 1997, Killer Fiction uh, that uh, Sandra London wrote was published again. This time it was an it, with an additional text by London about her experiences with Schaefer and drawings of hanged undressed women made by Schaefer. If you look online, you can find a lot of his artwork. It's very disturbing. I accidentally stumbled upon it. I didn't like type in George right. Schaefer artwork because I want to see that. I just typed in right. George Schaefer and like his artwork was all over the place. And I'm oh. like, oh. Okay, Thank but you. are her books still for sale? Because if they are, we need to call Amazon. Oh. I don't know. Let me check real quick. Uh, I would be very angry if she is still making money off of this because she sounds like a terrible person. I think she's dead. Um, yes, you can buy killer fiction paperback on Amazon. How much is oh, it? No. Um, let's see. Yeah, you can buy it for uh, paperback is $238.50. And for your Kindle, it's just ten dollars. So and then mad. Sandra London is still alive. I want to buy the book, write horrible things to her, and then return it. Yeah, she is something else, dude. She honestly, like, I can really see someone just like befriending these serial killers to get a story off of it, and then oh, like, sure, at that, you know. I mean, I but can too, but she took it to a different level. Yeah, she could have been actually in love with them, which is, like, so creepy. Well, even to pretend to be in love with them is also very creepy. Yeah, there's something wrong with you, dude. There's pictures of her and the Gainesville Ripper together, and she's, like, very close to him. So, yeah, that is the story of Gerard Schaefer. Wow. That I end. <laughs> <laughs> That end. Goodbye. That is uh, very fascinating. And I makes me very sad that he kept falling through the cracks with the police force. Yeah. In the sense of, like, he kept getting away with things and getting hired and stuff like that. And unfortunately, we really need to crack down a lot on that. Crack down on it. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing that. For sure. My earring just broke. No. You want to hear my story? No. Too bad. I'm reading it anyways. Um, I normally type mine up, but this week I got really tired when I was, like, after I wrote, wrote it out. And today I was like, I could type it up or I can just leave it because it's exactly how I wanted it. Yeah. Um, so if it is, if I sound like a little, uh, like, scattered, it's because... Well, at the beginning, I might be a little scared. This is the story of the Billings family, or the Billings mm-hmm. couple, the husband and wife. The Billings, they, it took place in this, it was obviously, not obviously, I shouldn't say that, but it was a murder. Mm-hmm. Um, 
in Pensacola, Florida. And um, so Melanie and Bird, um, which he liked to be called Bud, uh, Melanie and Bud were married in 1993, but they had uh, previous marriages. So, and like, ch- and children from the previous marriages. Uh, yeah. Bud had two children from his, uh, Michael and Melissa, and um, eventually him and his first wife adopted another son named John. Um, unfortunately, like later in the years, uh, According to the police records, John actually committed suicide by choking. Like, his parents were like, no, it was definitely an accident. And the police were like, eh, was it? I don't know. Anyways, um, so he, unfortunately, John is no longer with them. But after that, he uh, divorced his first wife in 1986. Um, and he actually ended up adopting another son on his own named Justin. Mm-hmm. And then Melanie... Uh, from her first marriage, she had two daughters, Ashley and Nikki. And that's when Bud and Melanie in 1993 married, got married. Um, um, Melanie was Bud's third wife. Well, after they got married, Nikki, which is Melanie's first, one of her children from her first marriage, um, was diagnosed with cell cerebral palsy and autism Mm -hmm. and bud and her were like well we should get a companion like a a child that is kind of like on her level uh you know a kid with special needs uh for someone for her to understand and play with um Mm -hmm. so instead of getting one kid they got 10 they adopted 10 Mm -hmm. children total so why (laughs) why (laughs) well so uh, melanie was like uh it just kind of happened and i wanted to like give all these kids a better life so they adopted slices (laughs) (laughs) so uh the 10 kids uh, Adriana, Jacob, Matthew, Ricky, Tori, Nicholas, Katie, Bailey, Ethan, and Emma. Uh, six of them had Down syndrome, and some of them came from drug abuse homes, and the other ones uh, came from homes where they were sexually assaulted, mm. unfortunately. Um, Bud and his wife owned a few local businesses. Two of them was World Co. Financial Services and Hershoe Autos, which is a used uh, used car lot. Um, they had a neighbor uh, that loved the kids dearly, April Spencer. She was always over there helping them out. Um, she just, she loved the kids. She loved kids. And so she was always over there. On July 9th, 2009, all of a sudden, early in the morning, uh, one of the daughters, uh, an 11-year-old daughter, ran over to April's house and was knocking and screaming at the door. And she's like, she kept saying, mom and dad, mom, mom and dad are shot. And so, of course, April calls 911 to let them know. Oh, my God. Yeah. And April went over um, over next door. And they're like, don't go over there. And she's like, well, I need to see what's going on. Like, you can't not yeah. tell me to go over there. There's children over here. So she actually gave them a play-by-play of what she saw, and uh, she said, like, the parents, Melanie and Bud, were shot and dead in the bedroom. Aww. Yeah. Um, but the kids were not hurt at all. Uh, the Good. first thing, yeah, 
The first thing that detectives noticed was that someone had kicked in the front door and the local police, they were very worried that it meant that it was just like a random break-in because normally when people knock in doors, it means that they don't know the person personally. Yeah. And it could have just been a random act and like in a, you know, random act or random robbery, which means that chances are they're not going to find the perpetrator. Yeah. But as the local police were uh, sweeping the house to make sure everything, you know, was clear, they kept finding kids everywhere, like behind couches, under beds, under the bed, like covers and beds, um, in closets. They kept like, oh, here's a kid. Oh, here's a kid. Oh, here's a kid. Just <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> um. But they did find Bud and Melanie Billings in the bedroom floor shot at gunpoint execute ex- shot at gunpoint execution style. Um, their oldest daughter, Ashley, uh, lived 20 miles away and she got a call from the neighbor, April, and she was like, April was hysterical. She's just like, come here. You need to come here now. Come here now. Ashley's like, okay. Like, she didn't even mm-hmm. think that something terrible, like, she just thought that someone was hurt, you know, like someone had fallen yeah. or something like that. And so when she got there, obviously, she was devastated to find out the news that her parents were dead. Um, it's so sad. I know. So while they're looking for evidence, they didn't find anything, find anything except for a few shell casings. So they only found shell casings for evidence, unfortunately. And then... The detectives ended up going over to April's house because that's where all the children were staying. Mm -hmm. And they were like, they were like, okay, we need to ask these kids what they saw. So one of the boys, Jake, uh, he has Down syndrome, but he was like right near the parents' bedroom when like that's where they found him when everything happened. And so the detectives were like, okay, please tell us what happened. But of course, like, as anyone would be like, you could be, you couldn't, he couldn't get a word in. He couldn't describe what happened. He was so, sh- and he was in so much shock. Yeah. Um, so he wasn't able to communicate anything. But one thing that he did say was that one of his sibling siblings were missing. And uh, that, and that was a uh, 20 year old Justin who lived in a trailer on the property. Um, Damn. They had a lot of kids, dude. I know. I think it was 19. Total. So according to the older kids, they're like, okay, Justin, yeah, he's not here, but he had like a super strained relationship with our dad. Like he's had an ongoing feud with him for years now. Mm-hmm. So they brought Jake in and he was a- acting super agitated, super like on edge. And when they were talking to him, like I was like, I was watching this interview of him and he kept laughing, dude. He was like, uh. yeah, super gross. Like, ha, 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 yeah, 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 I live on the property. Ha, 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 yeah, like, why would they die? <laughs> it was gross. I did not like it. That's creepy. Yeah, so they're like, what, where were you this morning and last night? And he actually, his alibi checked out. He was over at his friend's grandparents' house. Yeah. So it wasn't him, but they did find... So when they were searching the home for more clues, they found uh, video cameras everywhere, like 
16 different home surveillance cameras. Uh, So the police brought in the tech guys to shift through hundreds of hours of footage of these 16 different cameras. So the next day, only 18 hours after the bodies were discovered, Ashley, the oldest, went to the house with the detectives to see if there was anything that she could spot that they didn't. Yeah. And she noticed that in their bedroom, her dad's briefcase uh, and his and the family's safe was missing. And she said in the briefcase, he would carry up to like a hundred thousand dollars at a time because uh, he had a, um, a used car lot and it was a cash only business. So like he sold those super cheap cars, like give me cash and like no questions asked sort of thing. Yeah. So that's why he would carry so much money. But they grilled Ashley and they're like, you know, did someone owe him money? Did he owe someone money? Does he have like this weird feud going on with somebody like in the business? What's going on? Yeah. What's going on? Why would someone want to rob your dad for a hundred, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars? And can I, can I guess who, who it was? Yeah. It was the son. (laughs) You'll see. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so um the only person she could think of was tom johnson Call? and tom johnson and tom tom t-o-m tom and bud were close business partners um but then tom started to get super greedy and was doing like shady business deals behind bud's back mm-hmm. and he ended up owing bud a couple hundred thousand dollars because of all these shady business deals, like selling cars behind his back and stuff like that. Obviously, I wouldn't be thrilled and neither was Bud. So they had bad blood between them. So they went down to the car lot and they're like, hey, Tom, what's going on? And Tom seemed super nervous and wouldn't answer the questions directly, but they couldn't arrest him just based off of his demeanor. Yeah. Um, but then the CCTV footage came back, um, for viewing, they found three masked intruders wearing all black gear, black face coverings and military grade boots and military grade weapons into the front of the, um, probably like ARs or something like that. But yeah, uh, they found them entering the front of the home and then two people, two intruders entered through the back. And then they met in the footage, like this whole thing was caught on camera. Mm-hmm. Um, they met both Melanie and Bud, Bud in the living room. Um, and the sh- intruder shot, one of the intruders shot Bud in the leg. And then they took him into the bedroom. That part wasn't caught on camera because they didn't have a camera in the room. Oh. But inside the bedroom, they they could hear like they were scuffering, like, arguing and yelling and shouting and stuff. And then they shot both of them point blank. Oh my God. <laughs> so this is something that I thought was kind of funny. The news media, like what kept calling them ninjas. Cause that's like what they kind of look like. Um, okay. So then uh, ninjas were only inside for, of the house for a total of four minutes. That's it. And it was clear whoever did this, they knew exactly who these people were and, you know, what they were doing they were didn't you know they weren't amateurs and they knew exactly what they were looking for um and so 
the detectives focused on two things, the red van and the gold explorer in the backyard footage. Since they didn't have plates, they asked the public for help. They're like, if you recognize these vehicles, please let us know. Mm-hmm. So 36 hours after the initial press release, someone called the tip line and he told them the person on the phone was like, yo, I'm looking at the red van right now. I'm in a, this trailer park. It's across like right across the street from me. And so the detectives rushed over there to find the van that was still there. Yeah. The property, um, the property the van was parked on belonged to Patrick Gonzalez. Um. He was an elderly man. Um, he was not very fast moving. You know, he seemed like your typical grandpa. Grandfather, you know, just wanted to sit on the, sit on his recliner and yell at the local news sort mm-hmm. of guy. Um, he did not fit the description of even being able to do something like this. <laughs> He's like, I'm an old man. <laughs> yeah, basically. They're like, all right, well, who does this band belong to? And he's like, oh, that belongs to my son. But it's it's been out of commission for for months now or weeks now, and they're like, uh-huh. hmm, yeah, okay. And then right after that, they get an they they left, but then like right away they got another tip from a convenience store owner, and they said a couple days earlier they have footage of the van and a driver, and guess who the driver was? Bum bum bum, the son. Patrick Gonzalez. Yeah. Yeah. So they're like, they, so they bring Patrick in. They're like, all right, now tell us the truth. So Patrick claimed that he was just the getaway driver for this murder slash robbery and never went inside the home of the Billings. He told them that his son, Patrick Gonzalez Jr. Mm-hmm. and other accomplice Wayne Colbert were one of the masked men and Patrick Sr told police that his son had actually done construction work at the Billings home. And so he knew the, you know, the layout of the house and how to get away with this robbery. Yeah. So they bring in Patrick Jr. And Patrick basically was like, yo, you can't listen to my dad. He has brain damage. He's old as all get out. Like you cannot Mm -hmm. believe anything that he's saying. Um, my dad was just mad at me because we got in a fight the other day and I came home after six o'clock and his bedtime is six, but can't go to bed until I get home. So he's like making this lie up. And then he started getting on the local police saying like, you're taking advantage of an alcoholic with brain damage and denied ever being involved and cold or sorry, the other, his accomplice cold iron was his last name. Cold iron denied everything. Yeah. But since they didn't have enough evidence, they had to allow the men to go free. Uh, The detectives received a search warrant of Patrick senior's home and they went in there to see if they could find anything and they couldn't find anything. Everything was very used. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know how to explain it. Like his home was very run down. Yeah. Not a lot of like new possessions or anything like that, but they did find this box that was like brand new. And so, and it ended up being a box, like a shoe box and the box, the shoes were, um, there's no shoes inside, but like the picture of it was black military boots. And mm. they're like, I know where we can, where they sell those Walmart. So they go to Walmart 
and look at the footage, the security footage, and they find footage of Patrick Senior buying the same those boots. And then there was footage out in the parking lot of Patrick Jr. talking to two men who drove a Golden Explorer. Just uh, just like the one in the building, um, at the Billings home. And yeah. just and this was only four hours before the murders. Um, and the red van and the Explorer left at the same time, going in the same direction. So sloppy. sloppy. On July 14, 2000, 2000 men. On July 14, 2009, two men claiming to have information regarding the Billings murder arrived at the local police department. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rakeem Florence, a juvenile, juvenile, and Frederick Thornton, a 19-year-old boy, uh, they expressed to the police, they're like, listen, we have information we didn't want to come in, but we kept talking to our mom and our mom was like, you need to go inside and tell them everything. Yeah. So um, they told the police that they were the two men that entered through the back of the Billings home. Both men, Rakeem and Frederick, told them exactly what happened from start to finish and claimed that Patrick Jr. was the mastermind behind all of it. Uh, Patrick Jr. had been... <laughs> In the National Guard and had previous infantry training and knowledge. Yeah. So he actually trained his recruitment of people to break and enter quietly, infantry style. They trained for 30 days before they even did this robbery slash murder. Damn. I know. He told his, his recruitment of people, he's like, the Billings have millions of dollars in cash. If we complete this, you will get a cut of it. Yeah. So after the murders and robbery, Patrick Jr. threatened his crew and said, if any of you say anything, I will kill you and your family. Uh, I know. So that's why the boys, those two boys were like, I'm scared to like, mom, I don't want to say anything because he's going to come after us. And the mom's like, I don't care. Like, you're going to go in and tell on yourself. Yeah. So um, on October 28th, 2010, after a four-day trial, Patrick Gonzalez Jr. was found guilty of two counts of murder and armed home invasion robbery and today sits on Florida death row. Wow. Yeah. The other seven involved sit on a combined sentence of 200 years behind bars, uh, which is roughly 28 years if they split it up evenly. Yeah. Um, the... As for the billing children, uh, Ashley, the oldest, is has taken on the mom role. Quite a few of them do call her mom because they were so young, but it hasn't stopped them from having a really wonderful life. They, they, I mean, obviously it was very tragic for a lot of them and all, I mean, all of them, yeah. but they have like thrived. So good. good. Yep. And that is the story of Melanie and Bud damn dude i know that is a roller coaster i know all these like suspects that you think that it was gonna be and then no it was just like a a random construction worker that was claiming that his dad has brain damage like what the heck oh so it wasn't the son for some reason i thought it was no it was the son yeah okay the son did it but (laughs) when his dad like cracked 
they brought him the son in and the son's like don't listen to him he he's an alcoholic and has brain damage he don't know what he's talking about yeah what that is insane so he did it for the money he did it for the money and not getting any of it and ended up not getting any of it and is on death row tis a shame i guess not it's a lot of shame because you know he got the sentence that he he deserved but it's a shame that those that all those kids that they adopted had to go without like and these people like they just did good in the world you know like taking you know taking in they had a heart a a heart that could never be completely filled you know like that's not the right terminology well and the the kids like you know, I'm sure they didn't have the best lives before they were adopted. Yeah, like, and then this happened to them? Yeah. Oh, they have a bottomless heart. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> they have a bottomless heart. Like, bringing it, if they have the money, why not? You know? And yeah. ugh, So sad. That's unfortunate. So, I know. I, I didn't see that one researching, so good story. Thank you. I actually um, wanted to do a story in Pensacola because Rick and I often look at that place to move someday, but like to retire or whatever. Yeah, good old, good old Florida place to retire. Good old Florida. Now I'm going to get a lot of heat for that. You, you want to move to Florida? (laughs) Yes, it's closer to Disney World. It's going to be underwater soon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh well, I've always right. wanted to live in a submarine. <laughs> in a submarine, <laughs> in a floating house, <laughs> in a floating house. We gotta go, but check us out on Instagram at dytms podcast. Uh, Twitter's dytms podcast. Our email is did you take my shirt at email dot com. Our yes. website is did you take my shirt dot com. Mm-hmm. and our facebook is did you take my shirt our patreon <laughs> is patreon.com forward slash did you take my shirt five dollars a month gets you unedited video of us every week and vip access baby bye bye no bottle service but maybe someday yeah. and subscribe to our show on spotify stitcher and on itunes leave us a review on itunes we like hearing nice things yeah that would be great great. and (laughs) all right bye 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 did you take my shirt no oh